Hello, magical humans. Welcome back or welcome to the Find Your Awesome podcast. My name is Kelsey Abbott. I'm a confidence coach and instigator of joy, and I help spiritual adventurers remember who they are and why they're here so they can up-level with ease. So you can up-level with ease. And I've got some business to share first. First of all, there's a new page on my website, kelseyabbott.com slash human design. And that's where you can learn all about human design readings. I've got two different types and you can schedule right there. That's kelseyabbott.com slash human design. And then secondly, I'm so excited tonight. This is, I'm recording this on Sunday. I've got my first session with the epic coaching experience. It's this thing that I just created because I really want coaching to be accessible. I love coaching. I love the act of coaching. I love receiving coaching. I find it to be an absolute game changer. It's completely magical, completely transformative. It's, I love coaching. So I want everyone to be able to receive coaching. And I know that coaching traditionally is a really big investment and coaches are, we go through a lot of training. It's energetically expensive. I believe in the value of coaching. I also want it to be accessible. So the Epic Coaching Experience is group coaching. We meet on the first Sunday of every month and it's only 20 bucks a month to join. If you want in on this for our next session, which is November 3rd, message me. This isn't on my website, but you can message me through my website, through social media, and I will hook you up and you can join us for the next session. Now, let's talk about Eric Bergman. He is this week's guest and like many of the guests on the Find Your Awesome podcast, there's no one else like him. That's how people end up on the Find Your Awesome podcast because they are completely unique. They are not following the shoulds. They've kicked the shoulds to the curb and they are just owning their unique greatness. One of the unique pieces of Eric's experience is that he made a whole lot of money in his first business or in his earlier business. And what he's doing with that money is pretty inspiring. Shortly after our conversation, I saw a post on Instagram from him. It said, for every comment, I'll donate $1 to the rainforest, up to a million dollars. How cool is that? So I think in the society, we have this tendency to feel like, oh, I don't have the money to donate to this cause, to all of these causes. But you know what? Eric does. (laughs) And money is just a resource. It's one of many resources. If you have the love, if you have the desire, if you have the voice and the drive, we can all team up. We can all bring different pieces to this puzzle. We can save the environment if we all work together. I just love his perspective. And we didn't even talk about any of that in this conversation. This conversation is pretty freaking epic. And I think you're going to enjoy it. A couple other things about Eric. So as I said, he made more money than he'll ever need in his life. But... He then started another company called Great.com. This time, the focus isn't on extreme growth, but rather well-being, transparency, trust, and flexibility for the team, and where 100% of the profits will be donated to help the environment. This conversation, as I've said, is epic. I hope you 
enjoy it and I hope you share it. And as always, please go forth and be awesome. We are riding on the unicorns to the dancing meadows. Welcome, Eric. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. I'm so excited that we share so much in this, like, I don't know, even 15 minutes that we've been talking before hitting record. It seems like we're both fueled by joy. Yeah, I definitely feel fueled by joy. And I feel, I, yeah, I feel you coming with the same kind of energy. And I feel like a star falling through the sky somehow with just positive, a positive tail of little stars behind it. So have you always been a joyful human? I don't even know if that's the right wording. Uh, we shift the energy quite drastically on that question then. So actually, no. Uh, I was a very angry child. My, my father, he's been writing a diary for over 40 years. So I, I asked him, I remember I was angry a lot. And I asked him if he could read me his diary. And he started reading about all of these tantrums that six, seven, eight-year-old Eric went on. And I was, I was a nightmare of a child, uh, which I don't really recall. And I don't know why. And I've been trying to kind of revisit that childhood through various meditation exercises and whatnot, and trying to understand what went wrong, what was it? And I haven't really been able to find the answer. And I'm not sure when it shifted from pretty dark personality or whatever we look at that child to, yeah, today I see myself as Wonder Woman riding on a unicorn with a rainbow tail, pretty much. So I'm a lot more positive now. Yeah, that's, that's quite the shift. <laughs> Were you always this positive? I think I was. I, I mean, I, I too remember, I wasn't an angry kid. I do you remember getting frustrated a lot? I was frustrated. I had, I'm not a, I don't like being put in boxes. And so I'd get put in a box, but I didn't really understand that. And I just didn't fit. And I'd get frustrated and want to get out of it. How did I feel you get like out I of didn't it? belong. Um, that's a good question. I would, I would ask sometimes when I was able to say like, I don't want to do this anymore. I know there are a few key places in my childhood where I asked, like I asked to stop being tutored and that was okay. a good move. Yeah. Sounds like there's an interesting story there. I'm going to start interviewing you here. <laughs> yeah. So I was, I was tutored. I had a bunch of learning disabilities. And in first grade, I, the tutor pulled me out of class and I called her Mrs. Raisin Bran, which was like a big fat insult in my six year old head. <laughs> oh no, you didn't. <laughs> her name was really Rosenberg. Um, but yeah, so I was pulled out of class and it felt like I was a stupid kid. I missed a lot just to get pulled out. And I don't remember ever having fun in tutoring. And so I asked my parents at the end of the year, can I not do that anymore? And it was such a good call. Cause then I was with my peers again, instead of feeling like an other, like I wasn't good enough to be with them. Wow. It's a good thing they listened. Mm, yeah. That's I don't know why they fun. listened. 
No, it, to me, it just feels like they most parents wouldn't listen. They kind of think that they would know better. So, yeah, they get a golden star for parenting. Absolutely. <laughs> so you don't remember why you were an angry kid? No, I don't really. I think so. I know that between the ages of eight and twelve, or something like that, I was I was a very lonely child. Uh, I wasn't really good at interacting with other, especially not with other boys. So I didn't really have any any friends. I think the anger started earlier than that, though, but I'm not sure. And yeah, I still, I, I haven't managed to really see when that shifted or how that shifted because everything I can remember of my life, I... I've seen myself as a positive person. And one of the things I take the most pride in today and I'm the most happy when someone says to me is that, oh, Eric, you're always smiling. To me, that's like the most amazing compliment that, that I can get. It's like one of my, I'm dancing a lot. I love dancing. And one of the women I'm dancing with, she calls me Dr. Positivity. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> so I don't, really know what that shifted and I'm I'd like to find out but I haven't figured out a way of, of getting there and I've been going through all kinds of various personal development meditation retreats the last couple of years yeah maybe you're not supposed to know yet or maybe you don't ever need to know no maybe not maybe not we'll see if I find out, I find out. If not, I'm happy as, I'm happy as a clam either way. Yeah. Well, your energy certainly feels very light right now. We don't feel any anger in there at all. No, there's very little anger in me at the moment. Well, I, <laughs> I went to a funny retreat a couple of weeks ago. So I went to a retreat with my, my fiancé um, called Opening Up to Intimacy, which is... Uh, partly like tantric retreat and partly like Osho meditation kind of thing. And we did a lot of dynamic meditations. Have you done dynamic meditation? What does that mean? Uh, so basically it's a, a one hour meditation process, which is built up for the, to clear the mind of the Western people. So not, I mean, meditation was kind of came up with some guys sitting on the Himalayas and it's easy to have a chill mind up there. But this is an extremely intensive meditation that where the purpose is to get in contact with all your emotions. So the first stage, I think it's for 10 minutes, you're breathing very, very intensely, like, like you're supposed to change your breathing pattern with every thought that comes up. And the idea with this is that it triggers all kinds of emotions within you so that every emotion you can feel have their own breathing rhythm. So if you're scared, you have one breathing rhythm. If you're stressed, you have one. If you're angry, one. And that this is supposed to trigger whatever emotions you, you have in yourself. And it's going on with very intense music. And then after 10 minutes, it's just this big gong. And you're just supposed to let out whatever image you might feel within you and whatever. And this breathing has triggered so many things in me and in us, and we're 30 people in one room, and so much anger 
usually anger comes up for me. So there is anger somewhere in there. And you have pillows, you have a blindfold, and you can just beat the crap out of the pillow. You can scream as much as your lungs can just bear. And yeah, often you, you do the, and there are a couple of stages more into this. You do it for like a full hour. But afterwards, feel like a new person, and I might still be a little bit high of it now a couple of weeks later. That's a, I've never heard of that. What got you interested in that? So I've actually done a couple of retreats with these kinds of things. Have you heard of Osho? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is Osho mythology or something like that. It's, it's his kind of thing. So the first thing I went to was uh, another retreat called Primal Childhood Deconditioning in, in the Netherlands uh, like a year ago. And they, did, they also did dynamic meditations with this exact same framework but it was also a lot of exercises about getting in contact with your childhood, getting uh, understanding your mother and your father's perspective, dealing with various traumas and stuff like that. And I actually had no idea what I was giving myself into. It was a friend of mine who said, this is a life-changing experience. You should do it. And my perspective was, okay, worst case scenario, I waste a little money and a week of my life. Best case scenario, I changed the trajectory of my entire future for the better. It seems like a good trade. Uh, and so I did it. And it's like a mix, you know, Vipassana, when you're silent for 10 days. Mm-hmm. So it's like a mix of that, but with a lot of intense uh, sharings, group therapies, and yeah, this kind of screaming and punching exercises. And I've just felt that I've gotten a lot more alive after these things. And small things like I feel that I have uh, more sensitive skin in my hands. I feel that I am easier to access both joy and sadness and that I'm having an easier time being present with those emotions. I mean, I'm conditioned to be a man that don't cry like most people in our society. And now I'm crying regularly. I wouldn't say weekly, but at least every month I'm crying for whatever reason. And I love it. It's like, I love to be a person who cries. Crying is awesome. And I've kind of felt these things coming from these various retreats. And with each retreat, I feel a little bit more alive in one way or another, which can mean that I can feel so much more sad than I've done before. I can come in contact with fear in a way that I haven't probably suppressed ever since I was a child and that I've lately come in contact with feelings of fear that I haven't really been able to pinpoint why am I feeling this afraid right now but it still feels like okay it's probably something that's good to process so yeah yeah. and just like how cool is it that we can feel a feeling acknowledge it and and yet not really know what it's about yeah it's crazy that's like extreme awareness when we can do that and be like huh i'm afraid right now i don't know what i'm afraid of and you can ask the fear and it may or may not answer you (laughs) and then you can just be there with that emotion and that's fine too and it's kind of loses its power and at the same time keeps its power i mean it's like 
I feel that I'm listening to myself right now and I'm in somewhat of a dialogue with, I don't know, a higher something or a younger something or whatever you want to call it. And it's, yeah, it just feels right in, in whatever way. Yeah, have you done some kinds of retreats like this or am I just the crazy one here? Uh, no, I'm totally with you all the way. I've never done this, like, let out the anger, screaming, punching aspect. Oh, you should. You should find the screaming and punching things. I've done a, very, a bunch of various ones. And there is apparently a lot more anger in me than I've understood. So in parts of these things, there's a lot of group sharing exercises. And a lot of it is about... They, they can trigger the anger with some music beforehand. They'll be talking and it's, the logic is basically that we're all have a lot of anger kept in because after the age of seven or whatever, we're not really taught how to deal with it. And they can, it's quite often that if you get really angry or start feeling like this, that you start moving your hands a little bit. And if you then start shaking the hands, it releases a lot of anger and they can press some, um, uh, the lower back and it is, can just release like primal screams of anger in, and I consider myself to be a happy person but somewhere in there is some dark motherfucking thoughts and, and, and some really terrifying screams that's fascinating our body holds on to everything right so, yeah, that's what I so you're finding it in your yeah. body yeah, and I might put there. I might have put it there ten years ago. I might have put it there twenty years ago. I don't know. It it might just come in the moment. But um, yeah, it it, it helps me to feel alive. And I think that we're living in a world where joy is uh, is an emotion, or happiness is an emotion we're always kind of striving towards. And in the same way, we're kind of pushing away guilt or we're pushing away sadness, we're pushing away anger. They're not really social acceptable. And personally, I think that the, the less we can feel anger, the less we're capable of feeling joy. Yeah, I think I that agree. we need that entire spectrum. And then it's just good to sometime be in a safe container where anger is welcome and somehow manage to access it. When you were feeling that anger, were you feeling joy at the same time? It's a good question. The thing is, so this is kind of a dynamic meditation thing. The, the emotion state goes on for, I think it's 10 minutes and it becomes a bit of a roller coaster. So for some people, they're just laughing crazily and some people get really sad. And for me, it usually starts with anger and then it goes over in sadness and it's a really scary place to be in. A, you're blindfolded in a room of 30 people who screams and punches on things. It's, it's can sound like you're in a war zone. Um, but I've gotten to places within that when I'm just laughing as well. I don't laugh that much. Some people laugh more, but it can, that emotion can bubble up as well. So it's, it's really a roller coaster from, from anything to everything. Wow. And then just, uh, then it's over so there are you're doing let's see there's five six stages five stages yeah there's five stages so the first one is this breathing really intense breathing second is this emotional uh, stage where you're just supposed to let out anything that comes 
The third one is called the who stage. And then you're supposed to have your hands over your head, uh, jump and land on your heels while saying the mantra, who, 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 which is supposed to rock the emotional bottom in your like uh, stomach and kind of grounding your down to your pelvis. And you're doing that for like 10 minutes as well, or if it's 12 minutes, I'm not sure. And the same thing, it's supposed to like open up your emotions and everything else. And then after that, there is a phase of complete silence. So you're just, you're just supposed to stand up and more or less regular meditation then. But the idea is that these first stages have prepared you for the meditation and prepared you to calm your mind. You can no longer be in your work task because you've been screaming and punching and hoeing and jumping. And uh, so that's supposed to be a more quiet and calm meditative state in complete silence. And then the last state is dancing. So for, I'm not sure if it's 10 or 15 minutes, uh, you're just supposed to dance in whatever, everyone is blindfolded. So you're just moving to the music and just celebrating that now you're done kind of and that's the entire i think the entire thing is an hour uh, and for several of these retreats i've been to we've started each morning doing this so it's a very intense it's a you completely sweat out afterwards but it's yeah. a good way to start today i bet what is do you meditate regularly um i've, I've been trying to find a meditation routine retreat a routine that I enjoy that feels easy to do, mm-hmm. which has been a struggle, uh, a joyful struggle. <laughs> and now I have a routine uh, that I do at least five, six mornings a week, something like that, which is very joy focused. It's 15 minutes long and it's a combination of things that I've learned from Tony Robbins and Tim Ferriss and myself. So I do a 15-minute thing where it's first two minutes stretching and joy is the key in the stretching. So I'm not holding any position I don't want to hold. I'm not doing anything if it's painful. It's just, okay, right now I feel like moving my neck. So I do that. Right now I feel like moving the neck this way. So I do that for two minutes. Then for three minutes, it's a breath of fire, uh, like really hectic breathing with my hands over my head. So I do 30 hectic breaths and then five slow ones. And then I have three different kinds of um, focused gratitude appreciation exercise in that three minutes each, where one is focused on just things I appreciate. It can be all kinds of things. Instead of not thinking, I try to direct my thinking. One is focused on uh, just a positive energy field moving around in my body, like, okay, how does love feel in my body right now? And the last one is focused on how can I, uh, what do I wish would have happened? Right now? And how would it feel if that happened? So if I would have uh, anything, if I'm facing a difficult job task, how does it feel to have it completed? I'm dreaming about winning a certain prize in a work category. How does it feel to take that prize? I'm dreaming about having this house that I want to build, having it complete with a bunch of happy little children running around. How does that feel? And going into those experiences. And I do those three for three minutes each. And then there is a last one minute thing where I see, I picture one person from my current life with a big smile and I wish them a good day. So someone from, 
I met today or someone, maybe you, whoever. And then I go back in time and I pick someone from my childhood that I haven't seen in a very long time. And I picture their face with a big smile and I'm wishing them a good day. And I do that for one minute. And the total of this takes 15 minutes and it's very focused then on triggering positive emotions rather than not thinking at all. Because I struggle to do the not thinking, but I'm really, I'm getting really good at seeing what I appreciate. I love that practice. Okay, wait, so I have a bunch to say, but first of all, especially that last bit, that picturing someone and wishing them a good day, that's like an offshoot of a traditional meta practice of like may you be well may you be safe yeah may you live with ease i mean i'm stumbling over the words a bit because i do it a little i have my own variation um but i i don't send love to people from my childhood and i love that do you picture them in their form from like 20 years ago or current form I don't know the current form. So I only take picture I haven't met in 20 years. Uh, So this is my complete bro science. So there's no data backing this up. But in my head, it's like, if I take someone from now, then I take care of a current version of me and the current version of the universe. And if I picture someone from a childhood, maybe I send some love back to that angry child and give him some support or for for the people around him. And it, it almost always puts a big smile on my face. And whenever I'm feeling that I'm actually having a rough day myself, I picture the current me smiling and childhood me smiling. And I feel I don't have anything to give today. So I give it to myself. And it feels really good in that kind of way as well. And yeah, I'm nothing packing it up. That's no scientific thing behind it, but I like it. (laughs) I think that's a good enough like control group. Yeah, yeah. That's to be honest, it's the only control group I really care about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter if it helps anyone else, does it? <laughs> but feel free to try and let me know, and we can double the size of my control group. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I will. I'll let you know. Um, and then on the the not thinking thing. So for med- for for me, I think of meditation as the thoughts are driving by. They're like cars. It's like I'm sitting on the roadside watching cars drive by. And I'm watching them and I'm not chasing them. I'm not being a weirdo and totally like running up to a car and grabbing the door handle and trying to get in. <laughs> so I'm just like letting the thoughts go by. So it's not not thinking. There's always cars in the road. But I, my task is like, don't get in that car. Don't get in that car. It's and if I do, good. get out. Do you get restless when you're meditating? No, I've got a routine that feels really good for me that involves, like I do, I'll, I'll read a few pages of a random book that I choose every morning. Like I, I really like um, short books that have like short little snippets, like Apollo Coelho, shoot, what is it called? Warrior of the Light. That's got lots of good little snippets. And then I'll meditate. I do like 10 minutes of a guided meditation which sometimes I completely ignore and just do my own thing. And then I do like a a meta meditation or my variation of it. And then I don't know what to call the other part. 
It's just a reminder that my energy is sacred. That's kind of how I end with it. And then I get into movement. Sounds like an amazing routine. I love it. Again, I don't care if anyone else likes it. (laughs) They're not doing it with me. Your test group is 100% like it. Yeah, so (laughs) we've gone all over the place. And I still want to talk about what, like, your life as an entrepreneur because it sounds like entrepreneurship brings you joy. Yeah, so let's jump into a, a more fond memory then. We can start in that angle. So I'll take a little story, story time. I like stories. So I'm, I'm standing in front of this, this big door and I'm all dressed in, in red and I really don't want to be here. Uh, but I made a promise to be here, so I am. And I'm finally reaching for this, this doorbell, and I can hear footsteps coming from the other side of the door. And then this man opens, and he looks at me, and he's looking really angry. And I gather all the braveness I can found and I start singing jingle bells jingle bells and I'm I'm four years old and I'm dressed out like Santa's little helper together with my my brother and my brother has pulled me out to sing to our neighbors because he figured out that we can make money that way and we did this old grumpy guy actually gave us a few cents and then we started singing to all the neighbors and we went around doing this, I don't know how, we came home with tons of money. And to be honest, I don't remember this story. My father has told it to me over and over, but somewhere there started my absolute first entrepreneurial adventures. And it was always my brother's idea. He came up with ideas all of my childhood. And if it wasn't singing to neighbors, we were went around selling bread. We were selling lottery tickets. We were gathering in Sweden. If you return a soda can to the store, you get five cents. And we gathered so many soda cans <laughs> all over our city. Whenever there was a football game, went through all the trash cans at the foot, uh, at the beaches. So it was all of these small entrepreneur adventures all of my childhood, more or less. And there still is. So I, I love that part. It's one of my, my main passions in life has been coming up with new ways of, I wouldn't say making money. I think building something or creating something has been the key part. And then money has been an element into it to kind of keep score. What does it mean to you? What's exciting about creating something? I think I'm just passionate. I don't think it really means anything. So I I love doing those things as a child. And if I keep going back to the childhood, I loved Legos and I loved playing in the sand. I loved building tree houses, just creating things. That is what I did. Other people was really good at football or hockey or played a lot of computer games. I built built things with my, my hands at first, but I think it was more creating something and I've always been 
well, for a very long time, I've been passionate about building relationships now and building myself with these kinds of weird personal development ideas and see where that takes me to. So I think I'm, I'm a sucker for, for creativity and I'm a sucker for uh, progression. So just seeing how I, something can progress in whatever way it is, if it's a relationship or if it's uh, yeah, a Lego building and being able to be creative with it. So yeah, that's, I think that's where the passion comes from. Was it always about, was the relationship part there at the beginning when you were building in the sandbox and the tree houses and stuff, or was it then more of a concrete building? No, then it was probably more concrete. I think relationships is something I started to dig into and developing in the last couple of years. So if we're, if we're fast forward, forwarding this story a bit, uh, I, w- I was extremely successful in a business perspective. I started companies early. I took, them to the, I took the company to the stock exchange together with an amazing team and great people. And at age 28, I had made more money than I were ever going to need for the rest of my life. And that was my kind of goal that was my life mission i wanted to make be financially free and i got there early i celebrated i found the freedom in somewhat i didn't need to work another day in my life but after a week that feeling was gone and what i was left with was kind of the question of okay what's missing i I've done, I've done this now. This is what I was supposed to do. This is how I was supposed to be happy for the rest of my life. And it didn't show. That feeling didn't get there. And I remember waking up like a week after this. So we took it to the stock exchange. We ring a bell, open the stock exchange, sell a lot of shares, make a lot of money. And that was on my 28th birthday. We did that. And a week after that, I woke up and I remember being, I had a cold and I didn't feel happy at all. And I had a fight with my girlfriend and I was like, okay, health didn't solve itself. Relationship didn't solve itself. And I started questioning what else is there. And I got into a pretty dark period in my life and figured that this doesn't work with my girlfriend. I've been having challenges with her for probably five years, but I drowned myself in business all the time. So I didn't think about it. So we ended up breaking up. And if I wasn't in a dark place before that, I really got there now. We had spent seven years together. She was my, my everything. I didn't know who I was without her. And we split up for a while. We spent four months apart and I was just completely miserable. And I felt fuck, I don't want to live without her. I need to come up with a way of fixing that. And so that's like two years ago, we got back together again. And I've just made it my kind of life's mission of understanding how that relationship can be the best it can possibly be. And at the same time, letting that grow into my closest friendships and trying to make the same thing happen with my family in general. And and it comes from a place of extreme honesty, which is a very, very painful uh, way to go. That's been super, super beneficial 
for me and I feel that the relationships I have in my life now and me and my my uh, we're, we're engaged now and getting married so we managed to figure that out and I say we're in a better place than ever but that interest of just building relationships I think came from my my conviction that I wanted to spend my life with her and my dedication of figuring out how that should work when it actually hadn't been working for a long time. So am I, I'm kind of sensing a theme of you decide what you want and then you, you make it, you bring it to you, you do the work to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really do. And I'm passionate about doing it. I think that comes to the progression as well, that if I see something here and I really want to make that happen, then I give it my full attention. I come up with a way of doing it where I'm actually genuinely interested and I like doing it. I, I don't think I would make it happen if I couldn't see any joy in it. And I'm very smart, uh, so I can deal with it a lot from the that perspective but i'm also very good at asking for help which i didn't used to be and that has helped me to deal with all of these emotional challenges and finding people that can help these things and coaches and retreats and whatever so I, i've been going into it with dedication with all the intellectual power i possibly can possess myself but also with the open arms and humility of please help me mm. that humility what does that feel like for you hmm. so i think that for a very long time i was an arrogant prick and i'm still an arrogant prick in some ways and I'm still a narcissist in many ways, but not to the same extent as I, I used to be. And I think that when I started realizing, so I read a book, uh, I think it was King, King, Warrior, Lover, Magician, or in some way those words together. <laughs> and it was a shitty book. Uh, <laughs> but it was one page in that book that just shifted my perspective on a lot of things. So it's about human archetypes and how to kind of grow into this male archetypes. It's about men and male archetypes. And how you can be an immature version of this archetype that you're going to be. And there was one page that was about the know-it-all trickster, which was a childish version of a king and who made fun of other people, who acted smart at all times, who did all of these different things. And every word on that page hits me like a fist to the cheekbone. It was like, whoa, all of these things was what I did as a kid. All of those things was my behavioral patterns. That's why I didn't have any friends. And it would take me, I was, I don't know, 29 when I read that or something. And that became such a big eye opener for me because I had always considered my lonely childhood as just bad luck. I didn't do anything wrong. Uh, for some reason, someone didn't like me. 
fuck them, kind of. I'm better than them. That was my defense mechanism. But something when I read that page shifted like, okay, Eric, if you were wrong about this for your entire life, uh, then you've probably been wrong about other things. And I've always put myself higher up than others. And I can see today that that's just been a defense mechanism of me pretending that I'm not, that, that I'm better than I am somehow. And I think one of the toughest conversations I've actually ever had, I had with my my girlfriend uh, last week. So I, I really want to live a life where I don't have any secrets. And with it's been two years since we were apart now. And last week we sat down together and we shared everything that had happened during the time we were apart. And I had been seeing other people, she had been seeing other people. And that was a very, very painful conversation where I was shivering in fear in various situations. Something I realized in that moment was that she had dealt with this so, so much better than I had. And I had always in our relationship, I put myself above her. I've always considered myself more worthy and she's being the one to be happy to be with me. And just seeing hearing her perspective on how it was without me compared to how I was without her, my, my reality crashed. And I, I was shaking in fear that I couldn't do anything about. And I think, and, and I actually told her after this that during our entire relationship, I felt better than you. And saying that to her and admitting to that was one of the biggest thing that I felt that I've done in my life. And one of the hardest things that I, probably the hardest things I've ever had to admit to. And yeah, I think this entire story for me is humility then. Mm. And me realizing what defense mechanisms I've had and the fact that they are defense mechanisms. Yeah. A lot of people would say, oh my God, you're so lucky. You made so much money, not just by the time you were 28, but on your 28th birthday. Yeah. And here you are being like, I'm still growing a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it might sound like a weird thing to say, but if I if I had to choose between the personal development and the growth I've had in the last two years and the money trying to see if this is honest. I want to be the person saying that I would choose to personal development, but I'm not sure that's true. So I'm not going to say it. I still like the money, but yeah, it's, I think there is so much to come. I think a bigger part of my happiness comes from these conversations and these kinds of things than what would come from money. And that feels very true when, when I'm saying that. So I, I am super lucky. I, I had so much luck on my business journey. There's so many times that things could have gone to crap. And luck and timing was the biggest factors. I did a really good job. I worked really hard in a very smart way. But without luck and timing, I would have been fucked. 
So I'm the first one to admit that. So definitely anyone who says I was lucky, I, I agree. And what's your mission now with all that money? So when I was in this dark space of my life, before I got back together with, with Johanna, my fiance as well, uh, I, I started soul searching what to do, where to find meaning. And another friend named Emil, he, he was supporting this organization in Africa. I was running a, they were building a school and they had run out of money. And he asked if I could support them. And I donated the $15,000 they needed to complete this school. And we went down there to visit uh, when they had opened. And I remember coming into this schoolyard and on the right hand side, there are three gray worn out concrete buildings with steel bars for the windows. And they just looked like prisons. And that was the school. And then on the left side, there was this green, yellow and red splash of colors, which was this new school building. And just seeing that felt so right. There is something here in this contrast that is being very meaningful. And the classes in this school was about IT. They were teaching the kids computers in this specific school. And it was a friend of a friend who founded it. And all the classes was voluntary. So after the class, uh, I sat down with Torsten, the guy behind the school, and we were talking about, and he said that the other teachers from the other school buildings, they can, they can borrow this building whenever they want, this classroom, uh, during the day when, when they're not using it anyway, on, on one condition. And it was that in here, you never beat the kids. And to me, that was like, I didn't know what to say. I couldn't really get any words out. I was just looking at him. To me, it was so obvious that you never beat the kids. But in these gray prison-like buildings, that wasn't obvious. In there, the kids got beaten up. And you can just imagine the feeling of going to school and knowing that you're going to get beaten up. But in this splash of colors, the kids were safe and the kids wanted to be there. They were in voluntary classes and they were full. And that became a big shift for me. Like, wow, this is, this is what I should do. I, I, I should take my money and whatever darkness I might be in, I should make the world into a splash of colors. So after this trip, I started involving myself in various charity organizations and I tried to find my mission, my mission there and I didn't find it. I, I couldn't see my place in those things. And I got back to asking myself the question like, okay, Eric, what are you passionate about? What do you really enjoy doing? What, what are you good at? And I came to building businesses. And then the following question, okay, how can I do that with meaning and purpose? It's like, yeah, I can build a business, but it's going to be about giving all the profits away. So that's what I'm doing now. I'm running a project called great.com, which is, an ultra capitalistic business in itself. It's about making as much money as possible. And we're even making it through the gambling industry, which is 
one of the least philanthropic things you can do. But I believe that that's how I can make the most out of my skill sets and my knowledge and then will donate all the profits to, to charity because I believe in my core that that's the best thing I can do, even if it sounds very weird. But that's my mission right now. It sounds to me like you found what you're good at, what feels like play, what comes with ease to you, and you put it all together to work towards a mission. I don't think it sounds weird at all. That's the way I see it. And I'm very happy you see it that way as well. <laughs> Falling starts with the sky. <laughs> exactly. And that reminds me of, I said I was going to ask you about this because we were talking before we hit record. I asked you, what are you most excited about? I'm going to ask you that question again. You don't have to have the same answer as you had before, but what are you super excited about right now? I'm super excited about being here right now, actually. I'm just having a really good conversation. Uh, so it's just really, really fun to let the joy direct this conversation as well. And yeah, my answer before was that as truly passionate about social media right now. I'm truly passionate about creating content for, for Instagram. And I've struggled to find a way that I enjoy social media. And I've really looked for how do I enjoy this? How can I find a way that I believe that I will want to do for a long time where I enjoy it and it feels like what I'm producing has a positive impact on anyone who sees it. And for the first time in, in two years of trying different angles on social media, I feel that I found it. Mm. And yeah, I'm really excited about that. I have a hard time. I'm in this place right now where I can't really stop thinking about it at night. And it's not good for my sleep, but it's, it feels like it's a good place for my soul. Oh, that's an interesting contrast too. Like feed your soul, but, but starve your body in a way. Yeah, it's kind of, I mean, the, the brain is probably would benefit from having less fun. <laughs> it's kind of like a, a child, you know, it's good for the child that the table shuts down. Otherwise it will be going around all night. Mm -hmm. And, but right now it's like, yeah, the Tivoli is still going and my child is playing around in the idea of social media right now. And it's, I, I like it for the first time in a long time. I really like it. I love how play and joy comes through your words. Like I can feel your energy so strongly. I'm very happy to hear that. And it's like a bouncy little kid right now. It's adorable. <laughs> it is. It is. It is it's bouncing around. I love that. <laughs> All right. I've got a couple questions that sometimes I ask every guest, sometimes I don't. But I want to ask you, let's start with, let's start with if you had a billboard. Okay. You can put it wherever you want. What does it say? I think I'd like, so the first word that comes to mind for myself is listen. Because I think that so many things in my life have changed a couple of last couple of years because I learned how to listen. And at the same time, it feels like a boring answer that someone, people wouldn't actually listen to. Huh. Uh, so I don't think it would help anyone. So I think I would put up some joke because I think that would be my way of saying be playful without actually saying be playful. So I don't know what joke I would put up there. I don't have a good enough joke. 
the first, yeah, something that comes to mind that I actually saw on Instagram the other day is um, a picture of a taco uh, with a text, it's okay to fall apart sometimes. Tackles fall apart all the time and we still love them. <laughs> so maybe we'll put that on a billboard. It's a way of saying it's okay to be you and be playful. Mm, I love it. <laughs> I can see it. I don't know why that isn't. A, well, I haven't seen that on a billboard yet. So I'm pretty sure uh, I'll, do it. I'll put it on a billboard. <laughs> My next question is what's the scariest thing you've ever done? I think one of these very honest conversations I've had with Johanna about things I feel a lot of shame or guilt towards. So yeah, one, one of those conversations I've shared and I've had plenty of those where I feel like, okay, I'm sharing something right now because it feels in my core that it's the right thing to do. And it could mean that she's going to leave me as a consequence of it. And actually, so I said this to, to her as well last week when we had this conversation that up until that conversation, I've always felt that she needed more than I needed her, which has made it easier to be very, very honest, even with the things that I know is very hard to hear or deal with because I felt that there is no risk she's going to leave me. But when this conversation happened and that energy shifted, when it's like, okay, I think I'm actually more dependent on her than she's on me, and still saying those things. Yeah, I was, I was shaking with fear all that day. And so two days ago, I was working on a design project for uh for grades that we're doing and i just stumbled on the word stockholm and she was in stockholm when we were apart i was in los angeles when we were apart so we split up that way and just reading the word stockholm was enough for me to feel like it was a wave of fear just going through my body and i started shivering from this conversation that we had had days before and we had solved things. But it was enough to trigger the same feeling. So yeah, probably that conversation was actually the scariest thing that I've done, which I haven't thought about or put into words until just now. But it probably was. Yeah, vulnerability. You're, yeah. you're braver now than you were. A week ago. Yeah. I'm definitely braver now than I were a week ago. That's a good insight. You're, I'm so grateful that I met you, that Gareth and Craig introduced me to you. This I'm very been a happy lot of to fun. hear that. What? This is a lot of fun. Is there anything I didn't ask you that I should have asked you? I like that you barely asked me a single question that I usually get asked. So, no. <laughs> I'm very happy with with this conversation. I've had a lot of fun. Very, very joyful. Excellent. How can people learn more about you, follow you on social media? Plug all the things, please. Yeah, so we're doing our own podcast. 
It's called Becoming Great. And it's basically a podcast for people who want to make the world a better place through entrepreneurship. So we're talking partly about great.com and the mission that we have with that. And there's also a lot of uh, tips and tricks on how to run a business and personal development things and a lot of similar stories that I've been been sharing here with similar energy, uh, which I believe is is rare. So I'd love people to check uh, that out, Becoming Great, and you can find it on, on great.com. And yeah, I'm super excited about Instagram right now. And it's my nickname is at eric.bergman, Eric with a K. And that's also a good place to to find things. And that's where I'm most active right now. And I'm very active there. I'm very excited. So if you want more of Eric energy, that's a good place to go. I think everyone's going to want more Eric energy <laughs> after listening to this conversation. I'm happy to hear that. More this, pink unicorns to the people. Yes, this has been fabulous. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to continue the conversation, please head over to Facebook and join the group Find Your Awesome with Kelsey Abbott. It's free. And if you want more than that, go to my website, kelseyabbott.com, and there you can sign up for my newsletter and get a series of free guided meditations. And I would really appreciate it if you could head over to the podcast app and leave a review of the Find Your Awesome podcast. Your reviews help other people learn about this podcast. Thank you so much. That's all I've got for you, friends. Go forth and be awesome.